Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to episode 360 of Hollywood and Levine. Can you believe it? Uh, this is Ken Levine, your podcast host. And my guest this week and next is Mark Steinitz, who for 17 years you've seen on Entertainment Tonight. Also for six years he was the host of Home and Family on the Hallmark Channel. But once a year he has a very unique broadcast assignment. He is the host of the Rose Parade. Now, it's seen locally here in Los Angeles on KTLA Channel 5. It's also syndicated to other markets. But here in L.A., there are five or six stations that always carry the Rose Parade, and KTLA gets a 50 share, 5-0. Now, I'm always looking for different aspects of show business to discuss, and hosting a parade is certainly different. Now, this is a two-part interview. This week, we're going to talk parades while it's still sort of fresh in your mind. And next week, we will get into his long, illustrious career. So, are you ready? Here is Mark Steinis this week on Hollywood and Levine. I want to talk about hosting the Rose Parade. Not many people (laughs) host the Rose Parade. It's a very unique situation, and I guess there's all kinds of moving parts, but Mm. you have to make it seem almost breezy and effortless, don't you? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, um, when Bob Eubanks and Stephanie Edwards did it, they, what, 40 years or something like that? Something like that, yeah. The chair chair doesn't open up that often. So when it did, and I had a chance to uh, plop my butt in it, I thought, you know, Fine. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll step back for a second and tell you this, Ken. There was a point in my career, and we, we make these sort of declarations early on when we're having our big visions of like what I want to do with my career, you know. And I told my agent, I remember very distinctly saying, "Whatever I do, I do not want to host pageants and parades. Period." <laughs> and I ended up doing Miss America, and I ended up now doing this. So you never, you never say never. And secondly, you know, I just feel like this parade has been such a blessing uh, in so many ways. I love live television. I love working with the folks at KTLA. Lisa, my co-host or partner in 
in crime, if you will. I could not find a better a better person to put up with my antics and my my silly dad jokes occasionally. Um, but you're right. There are there are a lot of moving parts with it. There certainly are. And a lot of the things the things that we are in control of, and I say we, I mean KTLA and our production team, um, we tend to do really well. Um, it's the extraneous stuff when we have to rely upon the timing of the parade and floats not breaking down and, you know, all the other stuff that happens that can really throw the timing off for us. Yeah, because on the one hand, you guys are obviously scripted, you know, and here's the Columbus High School marching band, blah, blah, blah. Right. But on the other, and it happens frequently. I remember there was one year where there was a float that broke down and it like delayed the parade for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and there you are live so i would imagine as the host every time you see a float approaching you're going okay good <laughs> <laughs> yes we are always saying good we had a couple of uh little snafus in this parade and there was the other there was one there was a major breakdown this year we had, um, again, you can never predict these things. For the Elks Lodge, they had a bunch of veterans on, and we were told at one point there was a medical emergency and they had to evacuate one of those passengers who is in his 90s, I think. I, I assume everything went well. I didn't hear anything bad from it other than probably just you know fatigue or whatever. Um, the other one was there was a major protest and these people completely came out and blocked the parade route somewhere on Orange Grove and they just stood there and they wouldn't move. So the parade just stopped and till they could clear them out of the way. Um, there was another one that was a couple of years back and it, I believe the float had, it was the, 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 the transcontinental railroad. There was two floats together connected and one had a spike and the other had like a big hammer that it was pounding in and as signifying the completion of it. And uh, that flow broke down. And what made it even more complicated was it was shortly before Wells Fargo had a massive, you know, paid appearance in the parade for the grand finale. And that at 10 o'clock, a lot of people don't know this. So KTLA is really unique because they, we, we carry this and they have, uh, uninterrupted commercial free for years. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the other networks just join in at eight o'clock and they leave at 10. Doesn't matter because they've got to go to a dog show or a football game or whatever. So what happened was they all bailed because of that float breaking down and the Wells Fargo, grand finale never aired on on many of the networks which is a huge is a huge loss for them financially because they lost so many eyes we fortunately were you know got a big pat on the back because we carried it in its entirety um and that's one of the things i'm so proud of with the with ktla and their and their leadership is that this is a remember this is really a local a local town event um and that's the way they treat it and they treat it that way year round our our producing team is in constant contact with those Rose Parade officials. There's constantly people rotating in and out because that's the way their their organization is structured. Um, so there's always change and something that's, um, um, you know, different coming up with a new theme this year and that year. And um, so, but it is, it's a, it is. Floats a, this year. We're going to have a, floats. 
Yeah. <laughs> Something different. We're going to do floats. We, you know, I, I, you know, Ken, one of the things that I think really helps in a situation like that, and I, and we got a lot of feedback this year that, and after doing it, we're going into our ninth year. So we're approaching a decade on it. We've really absorbed a lot of the content. There's so much at first to get your head around. And then we had a, a leap year in there with COVID, which was strange to be a part of that. Uh, um, you know, because rarely has the parade ever been preempted or, or canceled. Um, so we have had so much material sort of shoved in our brains. Um, we can fall back on a lot of that. We have lunch every year with the president of the tournament. So we just mine a lot of information from, from that person and how they came up with the theme or, you know, whether it's the Clydesdales and we've talked about them year in and year out, but then you, you just, I always dig a little deeper and I want to know more about, you know, the, the, the horses or the types of saddles they're using or the old West and why these traditions carry on. So we have times where we just have to tap dance. You're right. And it pays off because we've, we've done homework, I guess. Well, in Los Angeles, Almost all of the local stations broadcast the parade, although some of them have finally dropped out. But in L.A., the Channel 5 telecast generally gets like a 50 or 60 share, and all of the others just divide up another 15 to 17 percent. It has become uh, an institution in Los Angeles because you guys do it so well. Okay, how does one audition <laughs> for host of the Rose Parade? Send a tape of a parade <laughs> you've hosted, you know, and so you go out to, you know, the Indio Date Festival and and host the parade. What what do you do? Yeah, that's that's interesting, right? Um you know, like so many other jobs that come along when you're working in the business that we're in, you you never know who's looking at things. And, and you know, the, there was a time, I think, where, you know, Bob and Stephanie were like, mm, you know, we've run our course on this. And they had been in the years thinking about how, you know, to fill those shoes. And at the time, I was you know, working, doing my job at Hallmark, a two-hour show every day. And I got a call from Don Corsini, who I've known for many, many years. He was the general manager over at KTLA saying, you know, I was in the, we were in a commercial break during the show that I was hosting. And he's like, Steinus. And I'm like, Don? And he goes, yeah. And I go, he's like, what are you doing? And I go, well, I'm in a commercial break right now. He goes, oh, I'll get right to it. Hey, come on over and host the parade for us. And I just was like, wait, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it happened that quickly. And we had, we had dinner together. We talked about the significance. They wanted to make sure that I understood, you know, how they really wrapped their arms around this and knew where I, they were coming from. I quickly understood how much of an honor and privilege it would, would be to be able to have that position. Um, and, and then do my best to hold it down year after year after year to make sure that we live up to the standards that were set before us, fill the shoes, if you will. Um, and you know, and I, I just, yeah, that's, that's how it comes about. There's no, uh, you know, working the minor league circuit of parades, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) that would be quite, quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it really is. And, you know, this is no, nothing against Macy's or any other parade, but I really feel like the Rose parade is, is granddaddy. 
It is, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? You said it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, as a kid growing up in L.A., I don't know whether you guys still do this because I don't get up at six o'clock in the morning like I did when I was eight. But <laughs> the local stations used to have pre-parade coverage no. where for two hours you would watch people paste flowers on floats. And again, as a as an eight year old, this is the most exciting thing yeah. possible. What time do you get there? On January 1st, Um, I have a routine that I've been doing since day one, and that is, you know, I always want to show up and and have the cobwebs kind of out of my brain. So I get picked up at 430 in the morning um, and I usually get up around 130 and I'll have my cup of coffee or two. And then I jump on my bike and do a 30 minute ride just to. I want to feel like it's noon when I arrive and not kind of still rubbing because there's just such so much happening and you just want to have all your bells and whistles ready to go. So that's typically what I do is I'll do that ride and get ready and and uh, and show up. We get there a little bit ahead of time, but we do some live hits. There is a, a KTLA does a, a 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. local time um, pre-show. And we're involved with that on a couple of levels. I'll do, uh, and Lisa will, um, leading up to that, we'll do packages. I went and flew up with the Tiger Squadron that flew over the parade this year. So I got to go up in the skies and that was just a real treat to have. Um, but I've done things from horse riding and and a variety of things. But so that does happen. And then we also do a live hit in the show. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, but it is a, it's a full, like when I come home, I'm struggling like this to to make sure I watch that Rose Bowl, especially this year, it was such a game. And <laughs> but I'm like trying to stay awake, uh, you know. But it's it's just part of it, you know. It's like like you said, it's finals. You're pulling all nighters, and and that's fine. So walk us through your day. You arrive four thirty, so you arrive at like five o'clock in the morning. Uh, walk us through your day. What's it like in the booth? How many people are there? I'm sure you had 18 production meetings going into yeah. this. Um, what's it like that day? Well, game day is really um, relatively calm because we, if we don't have our act together by then and things are a little sideways, we're in trouble. So there's all the prep. And I've always taught this to my kids. It's like, you know, if you, it, you know, or anybody who says, how are you, why are you not nervous? And it's like, because I'm ready. You know, I always found in this career that I've had for many decades is if I'm nervous, that means I didn't prepare well enough. So I want to make sure I have everything that I need. I have some thoughts in my head that are bouncing around. So when I get there at five, I'm pretty chill, just relaxed. We do hair, makeup, and we'll talk about some things we we get the, the very last point of business that we get is uh the the trophy winners for the parade for the floats and we get these little stickers that go into our um uh into our folder so we know as w- which one was the sweepstakes winner and which was Isabella Coleman winner or whatever so we have that last sort of like real technical business stuff but then it's a matter of dialing back how much fluid you have because there's no potty breaks for over two hours. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we get into position and, you know, we, we have our earpieces put in and all of, all of those little technical things are so important because we wear, 
um, really specific molded ones like a lot of musicians wear because the, there's so much sound coming from the street. We have to isolate a lot of that. So they got a really good mix in our ears. Um, and then, you know, you're testing. We had we have Chris on the corner, so we're doing some quick sound checks with him to make sure he's hearing us okay. We run through typically two quick little open uh welcome run throughs if you will we do that for us but also we do it for the technicians you know the director um the camera operator so they know what you know what's coming and just sort of kind of get everybody get the the wheels greased and i've always said too is you know if you if you start off really well and you end really well you can have a train wreck in between but people will be like well well at least they pull it together at the end so we rehearse a little bit of the clothes as well to make sure that we have that all done. Um, and that's it, really. I mean, it, you know, you have it. You're right. We are scripted. And sometimes we don't have time to read a third of the script because the parade is accordion. And, and even though there's a pace car that takes off and they're supposed to go two and a half miles an hour, they go slow or they have to pick up the pace. And they're just one right after another. Have you um, ever lost your place? You're wait. Wait, this isn't this isn't the Columbia Marching Band. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we uh, did we ever lose that? It would seem like we would. Um, I don't think we ever lost our place. There are times we've mm, we've we've done this before, where we had to. Um, so during the half, they're, they're starting to put in more performances. And the, and the, when we first started, there was. I think there was a halftime show sort of like at the halfway mark, but now there's a couple other ones. Right. And those all, we, we have to hit those live. Like we, we know when they're going to be performing on orange Grove. So what we'll do is we have to be ready because they're supposed to like, let's say there's a float coming down in front of us on, on Colorado, but there's a performance happening. That float is supposed to stop at, while the performance is going on, but that float may not stop. So they just keep on rolling. And, so you got leered looking at nothing. So what we're doing, yeah. So what we do is we roll uh, footage on it, and then we do a playback of it as if it's you know hap really happening in real time while we're waiting for the other float to come around the corner. Um, but we've had, uh, gosh, we had the Grand Marshal. Um, we're talking about the Grand Marshal one year, and and um, he wasn't even in the car. He was out running around. He'd missed the car for some reason, um, <laughs> and we had to track him down. And we're like, "Wait, where is he?" Um, but it, it's uh, it, it, I, that's what I love about live TV, though. You just—I learned this so early on. It's um, you know, in my career working in live news, is j just don't get cocky. Don't think like, "Ah, we got this. Everything is set. We're ready to go." Because just when you think you got it all set, man, things go wrong. And then yeah. you've got to be on your toes. So yep. always are assume they, something's going to happen. Are they always talking in your ear during the during the thing, or they pretty much let you go? It's a really good question, Ken. They they do they do get in our ear to let us know of any unexpected circumstances that are going on. There are times I wish I would hear more from them because I'm like, what's happening right now, folks? You know, and you can't really. And we do have a little cough button if we do want to talk, but then, you know, um, and there are times and they're really like, hey, we're moving this script. We're going from this one to this one. And you're trying to move, you know, you're going from, you know, item number 81 to 76 to back to this to back to that. 
So they're giving us information and it's coming pretty, pretty fast. But when there's two of you working together, like Lisa and I, usually one takes, you know, the, the orders and starts putting things together while the other one continues to engage with the audience. And then we can sort of help each other out. So we're, if you've ever watched us, we're typically like pointing at each other's scripts going, okay, we're going to 88 next, you know, and trying to get things done all while making it all seem like it's just natural. That's right. Just, you know, very breezy. How yeah. do you determine who says what? Um, In the script that's laid out by the producers ahead of oh, time. Okay. We, yeah, we have a, we have, um, and this goes into that preparation um, the first, the first thing I do is when the, when the program comes out, we we're released, uh, the information through the tournament and we we all have our credentials or whatnot. So we can get into where all the media assets are. And I read the program top to bottom and I take, um, all the notes that I possibly can. I'm looking for, you know, newcomers who are coming in. If I'm looking for international bands, I'm looking to do research on where they are in Japan, how to pronounce the the city or the region that they're from, the the conductor's name, um, all of these things I'm trying to find. And some of the instruments uh, have really unique names to, to them. Um, the Armenian float this year did for sure. So you want to make sure you get it right. And if you don't, boy, you hear about it. There's so many people. What's the flower we always get that people, we can say it one way, one year and a different way the next year. And people <laughs> just continue to come in and, and tell us that's not a, it's a poinsettia or poinsettia, or, you know, it's like, it, it's something along those lines. Um, well, so well, you have a, a great chemistry with Lisa Gibbons and, you know, you kind of lucked out because when it comes to chemistry, <laughs> you know, you just can't manufacture it. No. And I mean, I would say luck because she, I'm lucky to have somebody that is as talented and gifted as she is, but kind um, and fear. I mean, she won America. She won the apprentice. Like she is such a, such a go-getter. Um, but she also has this, you know, kind heart and her, her charity is so important to her. And it just, you know, for, for, um, uh, assisting caregivers for those who are dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's, um, or, or any other thing. Um, but she just has that sort of big, generous heart. So she's always, she's always there for you if you need anything. And it's, it's great. I just, I, I adore working with her. Vin Scully told me a story that in 1967, you'll appreciate this. Yeah. 1967, he hosted the Rose Parade with Elizabeth Montgomery for ABC. And they did their rehearsals and talked about it and had all their production meetings and everything was fine. And according to Vin, he said he was the first one to like make a script. He came in with a full notebook full of stuff. Prior to that, they just kind of winged it a little bit. Um, anyway, they show up that morning and ABC had erected a tower for their broadcast position. But the only way to get onto it was to climb up a ladder. And Elizabeth Montgomery was afraid of ladders. Oh, wow. Okay, so she like freaked out 
And it's like, I, I can't get up there. And so Vin said, all right, wrap your arms around my neck and your legs around me. And I will walk you up and down the ladder, my God. which they did. And I said, you know, for all of your perfect games and no hitters and all stars, all the great things you called the famous catch with rice and everything. So yeah. This was your greatest achievement. <laughs> <laughs> Having you know, Elizabeth Montgomery on your back. <laughs> I will say the the flights that we have to go up because we're way up top and uh, it it, you get to the top and there's a little, there's a little, you know, blood pumping, uh-huh. but Bob and Stephanie, cause Bob had this issue and I just actually had knee replacement surgery done a year ago now, but, um, I didn't really have an issue with it, but they had, they finally had a, um, uh, like a, a lift that takes them up, you know, like, a uh, with a basket, you know, uh-huh. so that, that they would get in it and it would take them up and then they wouldn't have to go up and down the lat, up and down the steps. But no, I get that. That's a, that is a, a flight. And I, you know, to, to, I can't imagine having to wing that. I mean, that tells you, I think it tells you either the amount of information that we've now have become expected to share with the audience because we, we got a lot of feedback, people saying, I like your commentary. You, you tell us stuff, you know, we learn things when we watch the show, either they just knew that stuff because there's so much um, from every different type of flower that that's out there um, to the different types of horses and what they're you know, made for built for and what their histories are. But um, uh, also like just the, the wherewithal to want to be able to have a script to follow along is, is uh, it's interesting. It, you know, the, the Valley hunt club started this, you know, back in 1890 and that they didn't, there was no football game. It was chariot races and tug of war. And the very first Rose bowl ended with one team quitting, you know, like it's (laughs) the history is so intriguing, you know, um to have it so it is but you know one thing like this year that stuck out for me as we were going through because we also do we also tour the float barns beforehand so we don't get to see the final final but we get to see a good idea what these uh, this is only like a couple of days before um the actual parade and the san diego zoo had a variety of animals uh, on their float, um, uh, you know, floral versions of them. And they had a, a tortoise called grandma that was from Galapagos and the tortoise was 137 years old and it's still at the zoo alive. And I stopped and I looked at it and I went, the parade is only 135 years. So this tortoise is two years older than the I parade. remember that first Rose Bowl, a team quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they called me grandma back then, but yeah, Yeah, you have to come out at five in the morning and sit. It was cold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember. I thank God I had this shell. Oh, the Uh, goddamn horses. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you've been doing it for eight years now. Have you picked up some tips some things that you learned either just through experience or by mistakes you've made along the way? 
a good question. Um, you know, it's it, uh, right now I'm kind of like, you know, looking at uh, career options and paths. So I wasn't, you know, when I was doing live TV every single day, two hours a day, it didn't seem like anything. And then when you don't get a chance to do, you know, for, for like the better part of three decades, I was camera ready almost every day with entertainment tonight and home and family and just go, go, go and doing sports and all that. And the, there's a point where you go, God, can I still do this? Like I haven't, you know, sat down and did a live show for two hours and it is like riding a bike. It just come after 30 some years, it just, everything comes back. But I think what I still do is I, I still tell myself, God, am I still, am I still good enough to do this? You know, cause it, there's, there is a lot, you know? Um, but again, that's why I prepare and spend the time doing it. But yeah, that, that would be probably, you know, part of it is getting a chance, you know, to sit in that cockpit for, you know, once, you know, every year, um, it still feel, feels fresh and you're like, Oh, here we are. You get a little bit of the butterflies, you know, a little bit of a, a, more, more for excitement. And then, you know, that goes away after the B2 flies over. Cause that just blows my mind every single time. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's really much that I've taken away from, um, just, the, I think what I've really, really come to appreciate is the magnitude of, of this parade in the position that I unique position that I have Lisa has she shares I think the same viewpoint you know we're always I I always do this if I ever speak to students or whatever I always say look I am the embodiment when I was at entertainment tonight for 17 years I was the embodiment the face the voice of of all these people and their work and what they do and whether they're editors or they're working in sound or they're doing wardrobe and hair and makeup like all of that I'm their faces, I'm their face, and they're just, you know, credits as at the end of the show that goes by. So we have to never let that uh, fade as far as the significance of it for us. And I certainly feel that way about the parade. Yeah, I sort of feel the same way when I used to do baseball play-by-play on the radio and television. And at first, yeah, you know, you're sitting there on TV at Yankee Stadium you know, and they're counting mm-hmm. you down. Okay, you're on in 30 seconds and you're, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> and after a while, it just becomes, well, that's that's my job. And mm-hmm. once I had left that, a few years later, I went back to fill in on Mariner's radio. And the TV guy got laryngitis. So they said to me, okay, you're going to do TV. Oh well, and and I just sat down and like you said, I hadn't done it for a long time. It's like, oh, I I know this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I know what I know what this is. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, hello, right. old friend. Yeah, yeah, count me down. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Uh, especially when when you do it as long as you have or I have, you um you develop your own style, your own technique. Television is television. I know things have changed a lot with the different platforms and streaming and all that, but there's still the basic common denominator. And that is being able to look at a lens and see the people that you're talking to. They're sitting on their couches. Lee's always said, you're in your pajamas still on this day and watching this from, from the inside of your house where it's warm. They're all drunk. 
We're all drunk. You could say anything. <laughs> They're all hungry. We all have this horrible headache. You know, hair of the dog. You're drinking beer at eight thirty in the morning. You know, and you're like, and this is the princess float. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on KTLA, it's rerun all day long. Yeah. yeah. So when you get off the air, do you go home and and watch it again? Do you critique uh, yourself? No, I. I thought about that. I thought about like coming home and putting it on, but I'm like, I'm done. Like I can't change anything. I can't fix anything. I can't do anything better. I will watch it like in preparation for next year. I'll watch this year just to sort of revisit it and you get a little distance between it. But I was always that way too. I would rarely watch any of my work from entertainment tonight or when I was a sportscaster, there may have been a story like before I was anchoring um, or hosting the show I would go out and do a story with Travolta or whatever, and I really liked it, so I would watch it. And, and I have like a collection of my my favorites that I have. But really, having, uh, you know, the, the, you know, it's really can you you get this? Like, you know, my dad worked at John Deere, right? He he made stuff, and then you could drive down a field and go, "My dad built that tractor, a part of that tractor." Mm-hmm. We we come together and we create like moments or whatever. And then we push play and then it's broadcast out and it just goes out into space and there's nothing tangible. And, and, and like compared to like theater, which I've done some theater, you get immediate response. You know, if that joke lands and it's good, you're going to, you get the rewards for that and, and vice versa. However, with what we do, you don't necessarily like you do it and you're like, Okay, well, I just there's there's nobody like standing around applauding you, and maybe you know a few crew members or whatever saying good job, congratulations, but you really don't get that sort of reward like you would if you were a baseball player jacking one out of the park, and you know everybody's cheering you on. You're like, oh, that feels so good. Ours is sort of a shallow, kind of hollow existence, and then all of a sudden you'll be at Home Depot, and somebody will be like, hey, I saw you on the parade, and you're like, oh yeah, great. Uh, wish I would have showered. Um, but, um, and that's happened more times than not for me. So there's that delayed response sometimes that comes with it. You know, it's interesting uh, during the lockdown, when all of the late night hosts had to do their shows from home. Yeah. I noticed that Fallon and Colbert who come from a stand-up background and are used to feeding on the audience had a very difficult time and yeah. looked very uncomfortable. And Jimmy Kimmel, who came from a radio background and was used to the fact that he's not going to get laughs on every joke, he just fell right into it and felt really comfortable. There's yeah. something to that. Yeah, I remember actually, Stephen, because I'm a fan of all of them. Actually, I, I enjoy a lot of their stuff. Um, I remember, I remember early on, they, I think, uh, Stephen Colbert did something from his bathtub, and I was like, "Oh man, like th- this isn't going to be a long haul. Like, are you going to start exploring these big like adventures where you're <laughs> now under your car trying to change oil while you're doing it?" And Finally, you know, everything sorted itself out. But boy, that was a really unique time. We actually had two, um, we had KTLA set up 
in one of their studios, this beautiful, beautiful set, all these the real flowers and everything. And we taped one special, but then we were going to tape something else that was going to air, um, I think, the day of the parade. And so we had the one day we were finished. And then we got home and we got a phone call saying one of the crew members tested positive. So they had to wipe out the whole second Oy. taping. And, you know, and I rem- I remember this too, and I'm a little bit kind of, I wouldn't say proud of it, but I was, you know, when, when things started happening, uh, I, my mom came out here in, in, this was in February for her birthday when she was still alive. She came out met my wife's mom. So they were together and that's when COVID started to hit. So we were like, okay, I ended up flying back to Dubuque, Iowa with my mom. I flew there to get her and then went back. And when I went back, I could only like hug her goodbye at the outside of the, the assisted living facility where she was. And, um, and I'm like, this is, this feels really different, really different. So I was communicating with the show's producers and I'm like, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I know it's only spring, but I'm got a feeling like this is, this could possibly end up canceling the parade. Oh no, no. They'll have this worked out by that time. I'm like, okay, I just, okay. and sure enough, you know, right. because they had, they had to make that choice far in advance. I think they had to make it actually in July wow. because of all the, the materials and all of the planning that goes into this, they needed to come up with, uh, a way to pump the brakes without doing it at the last possible moment, you know? Uh-huh. So, and, um, so they ended up, you know, pulling the plug on it, and that's, that's when we kind of redirected our situation as far as coverage goes and what we were going to do. So they put together a really, really nice special that was actually, um, I think it was nominated for, or put up for an Emmy, but didn't get it, but, um, but it was good work. There you go. Everything you ever wanted to know about hosting a Rose Parade, which is going to come in handy someday when you host the Rose Parade. Come back next week. We talk about his career and how being mistaken for Tom Cruise really helped launch it. Done the same thing for me. Anyway, our thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, to Bruce and Jason Miller, and John Wolfert. My email address, should you wish to get in touch, is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm on Instagram if you want to see my New Yorker cartoons, but uh, more than any of that, come on back next week for part two with Mark Steinus right here on Hollywood and Levine. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.